In our first lesson today, we are told to rejoice that the Lord is in our midst and he will rejoice over us. The first reading is from Zephaniah, the third chapter. Sing aloud, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O Israel. Rejoice and exult with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away the judgments against you. He has cleared away your enemies. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. You shall never again fear evil. On that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, Fear not, O Zion. Let not your hands grow weak. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. I will gather those of you who mourn for the festival, so that you will no longer suffer reproach. Behold, at that time I will deal with all your oppressors, and I will save the lame and gather the outcast. And I will change their shame into praise and renown in all the earth. At that time I will bring you in, at that time when I gather you together. For I will make you renowned and praised among all the peoples of the earth, when I restore your fortunes before your eyes, says the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke in the seventh chapter. The disciples of John reported all these things that Jesus was doing to him. And John, calling two of his disciples to him, said, sent them to the Lord, saying, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And when the men had come to Jesus, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you, saying, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? In that hour he healed many people of diseases and plagues and evil spirits, and on many who were blind he bestowed sight. And he answered them, Go and tell John what you've seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up. The poor have good news preached to them. This is the gospel of the Lord. Well, it's almost here. It's less than two weeks. And you can tell it's getting close because all the celebrations are getting ramped up and there's concerts in different places, and there's Christmas music all over the radio, and yesterday there were a couple of biker events, the pig trail toy ride thing that was going on, and there was the one where they had the procession to the National Cemetery, and, and all the wreaths were laid. <clears throat> Did you know that Fayetteville is the only city in the country that lays a wreath on every single grave in the National Cemetery? Good for y'all. It's the only place. And so we got all this, <clears throat> all this stuff that's going on. Later we're going to have the children's Christmas program. That's a sure sign that Christmas is close. Another sure sign is that people are finishing up their shopping and others are starting their shopping. <laughs> and the kids, the kids are getting a little harder to handle <laughs> as time goes on, especially the little ones. As we get, so there are all kinds of signs that Christmas is really getting close. And it's a joyous time, and today we, we you know, our, our candle for, uh, is the candle of joy today, so it's a, it's a chance for us to, to, uh, 
to really start to celebrate and, and we get into the feeling of this whole season. And that was the sense of what I got in that Zephaniah lesson. Because you've got to realize now, think about when Zephaniah wrote, the northern part of Israel had already been taken off into captivity. Okay, so God's word of judgment had already been fulfilled against Israel. And Judah, the southern part of the kingdom, was only a few decades away from also being carried off. And so the prophets were constantly warning them, you know, if you don't straighten things up, if you don't get back to God, this is what's going to happen. And so they were, it was a scary time, even for the people in Judah who had not been carried off yet, but it was scary because the threats were all around them, and they were uh, under that kind of oppression. And so we get the promises of what's going to happen when God does restore their fortunes, and that's what this is. So I'm just going to just pick out a few of the, praise, the phrases in there when he tells them to rejoice. God has taken away your punishment, turned back your enemy. He's going to be with you, and he's going to protect you and take delight in you. Uh, he'll remove your reproach. He'll deal with all those who oppressed you. And then he says, I will rescue the lame. I will gather the exiles and give them praise and honor in every place where they have suffered shame. I will gather you and I will bring you home. That's a word that if that word got to the, Israel, the people of Israel that had already been carried off would have been really encouraging. But even for Judah, when they're under that threat and they realize, especially the faithful people, they realize how things are going to go, to hear that word, that God, that that won't be the end, that God is going to take care of them and restore them, was really comforting. And they clung to that. They hung on that. And every time that they would gather and, and read from the prophets and hear those words, they would have this warm, fuzzy feeling about how God was going to love them and take care of them and take away all this stuff that they were feeling. And then they would leave and go back to their lives and and that warm, fuzzy feeling would grow cold again as they looked at the world around them and as they looked at what the prospects were. But they hung on those words and they looked forward to that promise being fulfilled again. And so then along comes John the Baptist and at first they thought he was the one But they were going out, they were listening to his preaching, and a lot of people were baptized. And then here Jesus starts his ministry, and he's going around, and he's he's doing all these miracles. I mean, it's amazing, you know, healing people and and casting out demons and, and all these wonderful things and showing people that there was somebody that really cared about what they had to deal with and cared about their lives. But sometime after, John baptized Jesus, okay? He baptized Jesus. But now we have John later on wondering. So is he really the one? Is that who this is? Even after what he had seen at the baptism, and he starts to wonder. Because maybe they still had this idea that when the Messiah came, it was going to be to reestablish David's throne, that it was going to be a political kind of a victory and reestablish Israel. And that wasn't happening. Is he the one? So John sends two of his own disciples to Jesus and say, 
So are you the one? Or should we look for another? God, are you really here with us now like you promised? Or not? And so, what did Jesus say? He told him to go back and tell John and said, go tell him what you've seen. Tell him what you've seen and what you've heard. The blind receive sight. The lame walk. The lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear. Dead are raised. And good news is proclaimed to the poor. In other words, those people that are under all different kinds of oppression are being cared for. Are being relieved are getting good news that there's something better than what they've been experiencing in their lives. So go back and tell John that. Well, that lines up with Zephaniah's prophecy and the prophecy of a lot of the other prophets about what was going to happen when God returned. And it never really was about defeating an occupying army. It always was about caring for people that are oppressed and that are hurting. And Jesus said, tell John what you see. So, is Jesus here? Well, he must be because the name of the church is Emmanuel. (laughs) God is with us. Must be. And certainly we are people that are under different types of oppression. Pretty much all the kinds of oppression that can result from living in a sinful world where we cannot escape the effects of the sin that's all around us everywhere. And a world that is slowly but surely and maybe gaining speed spiraling down, just like Jesus said it would, But we all are affected by that. We all are under the oppression of sin in some way. And we suffer its effects. Or sometimes we suffer the consequences of our own sinfulness. And we deal with all the same kinds of things that the people at Jesus' time had to deal with and the people at Zephaniah's time. We're all in the same boat. And so the promise of deliverance from that rings true for us too. And it's something that we look forward to and something that we long for. So when we find ourselves in this season of the year really anticipating Christmas because it fills us with so much joy and so much good feeling and so many warm fuzzies, What are we really looking forward to? It's not just a baby in a manger. That's already happened and we know the story and we know that was only the beginning of a process that God was carrying out. What we're really looking for is Christ to be with us, to be in our hearts, to be delivered from all the things that we have to suffer and that we have to deal with. 
And so where do we see Jesus? Where do we see him? Well, he's told John, see what what you've seen and what you've heard. We hear Jesus' word whenever we gather for worship and whenever we study his word. He speaks to us, so we hear him. We see him and touch him and taste him when we gather at the table in a way that he gave us to do that. We see him in the love that exists among all the people that are here. Today, it's a love that comes from God and a love that Christ has put in our hearts. And we see it in the love that is expressed outside of these walls in caring for the hurting, the oppressed, the sick, the lame, the hungry. We don't have to look far to see Jesus. So is he here? Yeah, he is. Yeah, he's here. And he's in our hearts. And it's not just because we celebrated it at Christmas, although that's a chance for us to focus on it and to be filled with all that spirit of Christmas. But it's because he's with us every single day, walking with us. One day, the relief from oppression will be complete. But until then, we walk with Jesus. And so we can say with with Paul, and we can, we can identify with what he says <clears throat> in his lesson. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness and your love and your caring and your concern be evident to all. Because the Lord is here now. So don't be anxious about anything. Don't be anxious about your Christmas dinner. Don't be anxious about the company that's coming. Don't be anxious about getting your shopping done. Don't be anxious about how that program's going to go or how Christmas music's going to go. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation with prayer and petition and thanksgiving for the opportunities we have, Present your request to God. And the peace of God, which is beyond anything we can understand, will guard your hearts and your minds, will protect your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.